This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. If you like Real Jam Radio, you're going to love the Dan Patrick Show on Podcast One. Join the all-star sportscaster for all the excitement of March Madness as he breaks down all the plays and predicts the outcomes in this year's NCAA tournament. Download the Dan Patrick Show every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I am Danny Lure, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. As I mentioned at the end of the last one, my full expectation was to have Sam Vecini on for this episode, and I was able to make it happen, or more accurately, he was able to make it happen. This is an exceedingly busy time of year for him, so I, I really do appreciate it. I say it every episode, but I really appreciate him taking the time. Had a lot of fun talking about the storylines of the last couple of weeks. We go through some of the conference tournament stuff, of course, Zion, and a lot of other things. And then looking at the tournament from an NBA perspective, prospects to look at at various parts of the bracket, who has the most on the line, and a lot of other just great material. Sam is just so prepared, but also just has so much information ready for this. It was a lot of fun. This episode is brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. You can go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy or download the Yahoo Fantasy app. Use the promo code POD25 for $25 in free play with your first deposit. CBS Sports HQ, which you can download the CBS Sports app on your phone or various other devices. Peter Millar, Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash Real GM for complimentary shipping and free hat. BetOnline.ag doing an awesome bracket challenge that you can check out for yourself. You can also, of course, use the Podcast One promo code for a 50% welcome bonus. And TrueCar, great place to sell or trade in your car. This episode with Sam is a little bit over an hour, cover just an immense amount of ground in that period of time. Both of us talk quickly. I think that's a part of it. And then at the end, I, I have a fun conversation with Dave Mason of BetOnline.ag talking about the challenges of setting the lines for March Madness with the intense timeline, the intense interest. It's something that I'd wondered about for years. And we talk about that and some of the other kind of risk and interest sections of this part of the business that I just find so fascinating. So you can keep an ear out for that. That's after, fully after the podcast, this, the recording with Sam. Thank you so much for coming on. Danny, how we doing, man? It's a good time of year. We got some actual NCAA tournament basketball tonight. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can talk about the the project you're doing, like you had that Knicks piece that came out at some point, but we should obviously start with the NCAA tournament, and actually where we can start with that is the same place we did last time. We we recorded right after Zion Williamson got hurt, and we were talking about, you know, he can do whatever he wants, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what he chooses to do when he recovers. He recovered, and he played in the NCC tournament. Yeah, he, uh, hot take, Zion Williamson is good at basketball. Uh, you know, this is crazy, I know, but, uh, you know, he goes for 60 in the first two games while shooting 23 of 28 from the field and getting 25 rebounds. Uh, he is just 
unbelievably good at basketball. Uh, he is the best prospect that we've seen since Anthony Davis. He is everything that people make him out to be, which is, uh, you know, you don't want to put undue pressure on a player. You don't want to put undue expectations on a player, but he has so fulfilled all of our wildest hopes for what he could be athletically and what he could be production wise and what uh, he brings to the table as a player that it's hard just not to say what he is. He, he is an unbelievable prospect and uh, you know, he, he is you know good for him for coming back. I'm glad that he ultimately decided what uh, to do, what he wanted to do. Didn't, you know, go crazy and, really really think about uh you know getting his own head on stuff you know i'm just uh, i'm just so glad that we get to see zion in the ncaa tournament i think it was about a week ago and this has been often been a clarifying experience for me i was trying to explain to my parents why zion williamson is special before they saw him play because i I think i told them like hey you should watch some of this duke game was like when he came back or something like that and what i said was i'm like this is a guy who I, I believe his listed weight is heavier than LeBron James has ever played at, and yet yes. has the vertical and the explosiveness to win a dunk contest and the body control of a, of just like a, a ridiculous talent. And I'm just like, you know, he's not LeBron. Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're in terms of like handling, straight line speed, like they're very different players. But there's this very narrow group of people who are ev- anything close to the caliber of athlete. But wait, what makes Zion special, even among special people, is that he combines that with both the skill level and a work ethic that you can believe that he gets that he will continue to get better over time. Yeah, hundred percent agreed on all of that. Uh, I mean, like his listed weight right now is two eighty five. He is the he would be the second heaviest player in terms of listed weight in the entire NBA right now, behind just Boban. Uh, and like you said, he can win on contests in his body control is unbelievable like he can do these tight spin moves in crowds and not foul and uh he can go straight up and down and hit floaters and he he's strong enough to go right through your body if he has to do that he's just unbelievable like there's there's just not another way to put it like he is so so special as a basketball player uh yeah, like he's not LeBron because I don't think he's as skilled as LeBron was coming out, but he's really skilled. Like he he is really just unbelievably gifted at basketball, and he doesn't get enough credit for his feel for the game. He doesn't get enough credit for how he thinks the game, how he reacts to things around him defensively, how he uh, can really pass the ball. He Everything about him is just that of – a genuinely special talent that is generational in nature. Like we will tell our kids about watching Zion Williamson play basketball. Like people who don't watch basketball as much as we do, people who don't care about basketball as much as we do, will tell people I got to see Zion Williamson play basketball because the experience is such that it is – it's like watching like Bo Jackson play football and baseball. It's, you know, it's, it's those like special athletes that, uh, you know, are just memorable. And, you know, maybe, maybe he's not going to be one of the 25 best basketball players ever. I would bet you that he turns into one of the most notable basketball players ever just because uh, it's not every day that we see someone that has his physical gifts. 
I have a lot more film to watch than Zion, but I can already, from, from what I've seen and, you know, going back, I mean, you and I saw him together back in the 2016 Adidas Nations. And so like, I, I have a sense of him physically, you know, I've seen him in person and all that kind of stuff, even though he was, I think, 16 then. But for me, I'm guessing, and I don't want to prejudge anything because it's never a good idea. But my instinct is that the comparisons with Zion, it's not going to be about whether he's number one in this class. It's how does he compare to top players and elite prospects, whether they went number one or not in other draft classes. Like that's more of what we're talking about rather than is he number one? Right. Like to me, he's the best since Anthony Davis. Um, you know, he, he's right in that class with like Kevin Durant and Greg Oden, like, and Davis. And, you know, he's probably a top four in the one and done era. I would say a top four prospect, uh, that, that we have seen that has been forced to play college basketball in this era. It is, uh, he, he is a genuinely unique talent. We don't need to spend as much time on them as we did before, but something you and I wanted to watch over the last couple of weeks when we recorded the last time was, since Zion was going to be out, how his Duke teammates, especially RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish, were going to play in his stead. Also including the ACC tournament, because of course that matters too. How do you think those guys fared relative to expectations and overall? Yeah, I thought RJ was unbelievable. Uh, I think RJ cemented himself as the second best player in this class during that time. He, uh, he, he is just so productive and so skilled. And, uh, you know, pe- people will come up with the, you know, stats oriented people have already started to complain about the numbers with, uh, RJ Barrett. And they're not really recognizing the fact that he is, uh, dealing with a team that has zero spacing around him, uh, that, you know, a, a situation where teams just crowd the paint against Dukes. They know that they can't really uh, hurt them from deep. And look, part of that is that RJ is not a great shooter right now, but I think he's going to shoot the ball at some point. Uh, his work ethic is unbelievable. The only question is, you know, his personality is the uh, shot happy personality is the, you know, kind of shut down personality going to be something that endears himself to teammates. I think the rest of it, I think he'll get better at all the basketball aspects of it. I'm not real worried about all that. Uh, in Cam's case, you know, Cam was really good against North Carolina in both of the games uh, that Duke played against North Carolina, I thought. Having said that, he was really bad in the ACC tournament. There's just not another way to phrase it. He was awful against uh, Syracuse and North Carolina in their first two games. He's a little bit better against Florida State. I. Uh, the questions with Cam are real. Like they're there. I think that he is going to shoot the ball at a high level, but the turnovers are concerning. The handle is a little bit concerning. Um, and his overall explosiveness athletically is a little bit concerning. Uh, I, I do think that he is worth a top 10 pick because I think that he hasn't gotten to show off as much as what we saw in high school. He hasn't gotten to show off as much as what his skill level is. But man, I, I am a, there, there's some concern there, I think, because like, you know, he, he is a very, uh, very quiet kid, like not going to be, uh, you know, someone that plays with like an incredible motor necessarily. There, there is a lot of broody gay there, I think, in just the way that he plays. That's always been kind of my favorite 
comparison uh, in terms of like what his game looks like. I, you know, you can go back to Rudy Gay's two years in college at UConn. Like he was always a, you know, 53, 54 true shooting percentage guy, turned the ball over quite a bit. Um, you know, made the really good pass, but didn't always necessarily uh, get to show off all of that acumen there. Uh, was a good athletic defender, not necessarily an elite one. Uh, you know, knocked down shots from distance, but maybe not at the level you would expect. Uh, I, I do think Cam is probably a slightly better shooter entering the league than what Rudy was. But, you know, I, I think that that's the kind of player you're getting with Cam. You're probably not getting like some all-star level talent. Reddish is going to be fascinating from the context of positional scarcity versus like role value, because I I think, you know, because some of the stuff Reddish, I remember going back to some of what he did in high school, like, yeah, he's he's good with the ball in his hands. But I don't when I saw him, I didn't think he was good enough to say like, oh, he's going to be, you know, that guy. It's more just like value added. Aaron Gordon's a good example of this. Like, I think Gordon has done more with the ball in his hands. He's not like a number one scorer, but it helps. And with Reddish, you have to square those two things. So it's like, okay, wings, even low usage wings, or, you know, are, are still really valuable in the league. But if you're diminishing, let's say, the star or superstar potential there, then those guys, I mean, wh- whether they play the five, which is, you know, chock full of good players, or the one, or wherever, that matters too. But maybe this class just doesn't have much star potential after the first couple of picks, and then it doesn't really. Then you don't factor that in as much, and so it's 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 a a challenging calculus with him. It's a challenging calculus all across this draft because it's such a it's such a strange mix of guys that you feel like have relatively high floors, maybe some low ceilings, in addition to guys that are you know super high ceiling like potentially not nba player floor so it's it's hard to come up with like the expected value equation of what uh what all of this is especially because that expected value equation changes for each team and i i thought there was a good a good example of that in your uh, the mock draft that came out a couple days ago you t- you had DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish going back to back, Hunter for Atlanta five, and those two guys. I mean, depending on how a team defines their identity and what they value, I mean, you could go in very different directions with those two. Yeah, so like I've kind of come around on you know, DeAndre Hunter is a better basketball player than Cam Reddish. <laughs> like I, I just think he is. Like he does everything better at this stage right now, and I just trust that guy to figure out what he needs to figure out to get it done at the NBA level. Like, look, I get the Cam Reddish is someone that will uh, ultimately, I think, produce at the NBA level. Do I think it will always help you win basketball games? I'm not 100% sure on that. But with DeAndre Hunter, I know DeAndre Hunter is going to defend his ass off. I know that he can be a starter. I know that he can uh, immediately step into the NBA right now and impact a winning team. Uh, like I, I feel that way about him right now. So I, when I look at those two guys, like it's just hard for me not to bet on DeAndre to come through. Everything he does is so efficient, and he continually has gotten better. People will throw the age out there with DeAndre Hunter. Oh, he's uh, he'll be 22 before he plays like an NBA game, or he'll be like he turns 22. I think you know late November, early December, or something. Um, so, so like people will throw that against him and I'll just be like, look, man, this kid has continually gotten better. He has continually figured out how to uh, make his game more impactful at a level. 
And Hunter, I mean, there's always, I mean, this is something Nate and I have talked about a lot, that, like, 3 and D guys, if you want to call it that, I mean, it so much depends on whether the 3 actually goes in. Well, I mean, it's only two years, and it's only, you know, like 140 shots, but guy shooting 43% from 3, 46% this year, made his free throws 77% over his two years at UVA. And, I mean, I think the big question, and I'll, of course I'll need to watch a lot of film on Hunter, is how many positions he can defend, like, because depending on what a team's system is, that the switching matters, or if he can be an ace defender on different positions, of course that matters as well. But you can slot him in a lot of places, and if we're talking yeah. about teams that have a, a, a value, you know, like we've talked about the value of wings, yeah, sure, stars are super valuable, but if there are no stars, then in some ways the most valuable thing is somebody that you can put next to a good player that you can get through some other means. That's exactly right, uh, and I think that DeAndre Hunter is that guy that you can definitely put next to a really good player, and... Like I said, like I feel like people were just kind of throwing a ceiling on him as a player, and I think that to an extent that's probably fair. But, man, this guy has just gotten better every single year from the time that he was 18 years old on from, you know, he was a late riser in his high school class. Uh, he was known but, like, you know, really burst into, like, the top 70 later in his high school class and then takes the redshirt year, really, really improves his body. Last year, you know, really improved as an overall defender. This year, improved as a driver and as a shooter. He, he's just made that consistent growth at all levels of his game every single year that like part of me doesn't really think it's fair to put a ceiling on him like I get that he's older and I get that he's you know had more time to develop the aspects of his game but he has consistently done that in a way that a lot of guys don't uh, like I, I am I, I'm a big fan of DeAndre Hunter I will say that and I have been he was my number one returning prospect coming into the year uh, in all of college basketball. So discounting the freshmen that were coming into the class. Uh, and I've seen nothing to dissuade me from that. And to be honest, if anything, I have seen more than enough information and more than enough data points to make me believe that like there is, there's some real, uh, real upside there. And hopefully Virginia can make it to the first weekend this year. So we get more of a chance to see him in the tournament. Yes, that would, that would be nice. Uh, I would hope that that would occur. Um, as someone that does root for Virginia basketball to be successful because I like the fact that they really just generally do, uh, something very different than what everyone else does. And I find the stylistic eccentricities of college basketball, as long as you're not playing terrible zone defense, uh, to be interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to see Virginia go far. So much more to talk about with Sam, but first a message from a new sponsor of the show, Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is going big this year. Plenty of time to get in on the NBA action, baseball right around the corner, golf in full swing. It is the perfect time to start playing Yahoo Daily Fantasy. If you've never played Daily Fantasy before, Yahoo has you covered. Unlike those other Daily Fantasy sites that let users enter 150 different lineups in their biggest contest, Yahoo has a 10-entry maximum. That means better chances for you to win the big contests. Also, you can try out Yahoo's innovative quick match feature. It is great for beginners. That would include somebody like me. Yahoo will match you with an opponent for a head-to-head -head contest at your equal skill level. No more getting taken by experienced players. You can do a quick match contest at a dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, twenty-five dollars per slate, and there is no management fee. That means you play for ten dollars, and if you win, you get twenty. 
Sign up today at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy or by downloading the Yahoo Fantasy app. If you use the promo code POD25, P-O-D-25, not only does that tell them that you came from us, but you get $25 in free play when you make that first deposit. No waiting on the bonus. You can use it immediately to enter contests. Minimum deposit is only $5. So again, you go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy or you download the Yahoo Fantasy app. Use the promo code POD25 for $25 in free play when you make a minimum deposit of at least $5. Also have a message from CBS Interactive. As you know, we're in the heart of one of the greatest sports events on the calendar, the one Sam Vecini and I are talking about, March Madness. And the best place to stay on top of NCAA tournament coverage is CBS Sports HQ. What is CBS Sports HQ? It is the free 24-hour sports network that is built for fans just like you and me. You don't get any of the hot takes, fake debates, and politics like other sports networks, just the stuff that matters, nonstop highlights, news and analysis, no matter what time you tune in. And if you enjoy playing fantasy or placing some bets, like I've been known to do, getting into it a little bit more, their experts are always dishing out picks to help you win. So check out CBS Sports HQ. It is always on and it is always free. No need to pay a subscription fee or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching today. Let's jump to John Morant. Morant is absolutely fascinating. And thankfully, through a big push in their conference tournament, they are going to play in the NCAA tournament. Murray State is a 12 seed. They're playing Marquette in that 12-5 on the first day of the tournament. I am thrilled about that. And I don't know how long we're going to get to see Morant in the tournament, but I'm I'm just as a, as a draft guy, uh, you know, as as a as an NBA you know writer, I'm so happy that happened. Yeah, so I'll be honest, like, you know, I'm someone that gambles on basketball pretty much every night, college basketball. And I was looking forward to fading Murray State uh, early. Like, I, I was really looking forward to betting against them because I think that the team around John Morant is not particularly good. Having said that, this Marquette team is super fun to watch. They're just very inconsistent. And I think we're going to get a really weird kind of game where I don't know how it's going to go. I will say this. Uh, Marquette has a guy in Sakar Anum that is going to be able to be six foot five and defend John Moran around the court and give us a really, really interesting, uh, kind of matchup to see, you know, what a guy with NBA length and quickness and size can do against John Morant, because I, I think that, uh, that that's kind of the question that a lot of executives have right now. It's so unusual for a player, and I mean, there are exceptions, Damian Lillard is an obvious one, for a player who thrives at a small school to athletically not really have those concerns. Usually it's the, oh, like, oh, can they do it against the other ones? And, and, and there are certainly the, can he do it against NBA caliber athletes on the other end of the floor? But like, I don't know that I, I've always found that a, a harder thing to do. And that's why I'm really excited that they're playing Marquette is because we, we, we're not going to get definitive answers. That's, that's not a reasonable way to interpret what's going to happen here, but we'll at least get a data point that is incredibly useful. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, his, his athleticism is not in question. You know, coaches that I've talked to that have played Murray State this year, they're like, this dude is the best mid-major prospect we've seen. Uh, just straight up. Like he is unbelievably talented his passing ability his live dribble like everything that you look at 
uh, with Job Morant. He's got it except for occasional decision-making issues and the questionable jump shot. At the end of the day, like – and those are real concerns, by the way. Like, I don't mean to brush them off. Like, look, like turning the ball over and potentially not being able to shoot consistently, real worries. But uh, in terms of the athleticism, in terms of just the quickness, I, I mean, th- this guy is special. Like, he is – he's going to be so fun to watch in this NCAA tournament. And we'll see if he gets past, uh, you know, if he gets past this game against Marquette. Uh, Marquette is so hit or miss, like I said, that, you know, sometimes if you get a game with Marcus Howard where he just, like, blows the doors off the place, then they have no chance of winning. Uh, if we get a game where Marcus Howard – shoots like crap and you know ends up going one for 15 like he did against Seton Hall in the Big East tournament then they probably do end up winning that game so I'm going to be real interested to see uh just how that game goes we could move on I mean so from just briefly because this is something that I haven't internalized just because you have you have the college basketball landscape I mean in other years most notably you know with Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz we had high-end players that did not play in the NCAA tournament because their teams just didn't make it. Who fits that bill this year of, like, you know, a really good player who we're just not going to see play the rest of this uh, season? Oh, that's a that's a good question. So Romeo Langford, uh, he's going to play in the NIT, which is a decision. Uh, so Romeo Langford is uh, Indiana's wing, six foot six, six eleven wingspan, about two hundred and ten pounds. Uh, really struggled to shoot the basketball this year. Uh, has good touch, but very inconsistent mechanics. Great finisher at the basket. Plays at his own pace. Uh, you know, and just a very very skilled player on the wing. Jackson Hayes is not going to play the rest of the year. He hurt his knee against Kansas and what looked like it was going to be a very scary knee injury. Uh, ultimately, Shaka Smart said on Monday, I believe it was Monday, maybe Sunday night, that uh, it was not as bad as what could, what it could have been. Like it, it's not like a serious, serious long-term injury. Uh, Jackson Hayes is a 6'11 center with a 7'4, 7'5 wingspan, uh, rim runner, rim protector, and can really move his feet on the perimeter. So that's, uh, a, a really, really interesting potential lottery pick, in my opinion. Casey Apala is in an interesting scenario. He may or may not declare for the NBA draft. Uh, it's, kind of fluid right now from what I understand. Um, good six foot nine, seven two wingspan can really handle the ball, can knock down shots off the catch, not really a shooter off the dribble yet. Um, Kevin Porter is a guy that we're not going to see the rest of the year. Six five, six six, well built frame, lefty, athletic, uh, can get separation with the best of them uh, in any class, especially going backward. But he's not as efficient as you would like to see him right now. Uh, he makes occasional plays defensively, but is not consistent in terms of his effort on that end. Um, and generally, uh, wasn't quite as productive as what we would have hoped to see this year. Obviously, Jonte Porter is not going to play. Bo Bowl is not going to play. Daniel Gafford declared for the draft yesterday, finally. Um, he's not going to play in Arkansas's NIT. 6'11", 7'2", wingspan, rim runner. Uh, didn't really get to play like that against Arkansas or for Arkansas this year, though. Yeah, I saw the Gafford news, and I mean, another guy who, I mean, you could do whatever you want. If you want to go back to college, you can, but I mean, I, it seems like he cost himself a fair amount of money by, by returning because just, I mean, I think the league is realizing where big men are and he didn't really do any, do much to elevate his stock. It doesn't seem to me like he did much to hurt it. Do, is that a misinterpretation? So, I mean, 
it's hard to say, right? Because he's played out of position all year. Like the, he is a rim runner, rim protector, get out and transition, set screens, roll to the basket kind of guy. They played him as like a post-up threat this year because they honestly, like, I'm not even going to sit here and like say that Mike Anderson did a bad job with this. They just didn't have any guards that could run pick and roll with him. So like at some point you have to get your NBA player touches. They chose to do it in the post. I would have rather seen them run a lot more pick and roll, but like I understand why they didn't do it. Um, in terms of his numbers, he averaged probably like 17 and nine. 17-9, something like that this year. Uh, the numbers were fine. He, he didn't really improve defensively. What he did was, you know, he, he's probably going to go like late first round in the 20 to 30 range. Last year, he probably would have gone in like the 16 to 30 range. So didn't really hurt himself all that much. What he did was just cost himself a year of earning potential. You know what I mean? Like he he missed out on making $2 million last year. That's a reasonable way to put it. I, I can absolutely see that as, as a part of this story. There are a lot of also kind of just interesting players in, in this class where, you know, we're still trying to, trying to feel all this stuff out and I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, you know, going back to that Adidas Nations in 2016 that I've been a big fan of Nikhil Alexander Walker. I didn't know until recently that he's Shea Gil, Gil, Gilgis Alexander's cousin, which is interesting. Yep. And yeah. so the Virginia Tech, they're playing, they're a four seed, so we'll see how far they could go. Theoretically, if they make it far enough, they could play Duke in the Sweet 16. And, you know, Nikhil, one of those players that could end up, you know, he could end up doing well for himself over the next week or so. Yeah, he could, for sure. I mean, he's a guy that is a three-level scorer, has really improved as a passer and distributor this year. Um, six foot five has also really improved his frame. Uh, he used to be very, very skinny. He's now like a solid 205 pounds, probably. Um, you know... Probably more of a role player, like a secondary ball handler at the next level. Doesn't have that like great athletic burst, but he is going to be a valuable piece for a team. I think, you know, even if it's like a sixth man off the bench, maybe a secondary starter, maybe a guy that you put next to a Ben Simmons or a Giannis Antetokounmpo or even like a Blake Griffin. Like I think that Detroit, he'd be a really great fit there. Um, you know, kind of a guy like that that I think will really help a team for sure in terms of what he he could do in the tournament to help himself. So he's going to get matched up against the St. Louis team that is very athletic, very tough, very physical in the first round. Probably going to get matched up against Javon Best that was all A-10 defensively this year. Uh, very, very skilled defensive team. Getting a chance to go against those guys will be good. He'll get a kind of showcase matchup, quote-unquote, against Quindry Weatherspoon and uh, Mississippi State potentially in the second round. And then they get to the Sweet 16, they get Duke, and he gets uh, all the eyeballs in the world on him in that game. So, you know, he, he's going to have opportunity, no question, to help himself. One team I wanted to ask you about, they got they got a one seed this year and have some genuinely fascinating prospects is Gonzaga. I mean, you have... Hashimura and Clark on the front end, and they're going to have an opportunity to make a real run in the tournament, and those guys will have a chance to to show off what they can do. Yeah, Gonzaga, Gonzaga's in a weird spot because talent-wise, I think they're probably the second most talented team in the country behind Duke. Um, they have an incredible offensive attack. Uh, Rui Achimura and Brandon Clark, everyone knows those guys. But it, just from like a roster balance perspective, and I don't mean to say this that like getting Killian Tilly back hurts them because I think he certainly helps them. He gives them a different dimension. But I don't think that they have like quite figured out yet 
exactly how to utilize their three best players because their three best players are all four fives um, in Hachimura, Clark, and Tilly. Now, on the college level, Rui and Clark are athletic enough and Tilly can move his feet enough to where I think you might be able to get away with playing all three of them together. But they haven't just found that like right little mix of it all yet, I don't think. And it's going to be interesting to see how that develops throughout the course of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Rui is 6'8", 7'2", wingspan, has improved as a jump shooter this year. I just don't know that I fully 100% trust it yet. Um, you know, he's only taken 32 threes this year. He is hitting like 75% from the foul line, uh, but it's a straight line shot that I think is going to need some work to be able to take it back beyond the NBA three-point line. Brandon Clark's another guy who really just needs to learn to shoot. Uh, he's been working hard at, uh, you know, developing that jump shot. If you saw him at San Jose State, I mean, good God, go back and watch that San Jose State shot. Like he, he would shot put that thing from like his right shoulder and it was a mess. But since he got to Gonzaga and a little bit before he got to Gonzaga, he really worked to uh, overhaul that jump shot. And it looks better now. He's made four threes this year, um, still 69% from the line. But the big question about him is can he be an NBA-level player offensively without the jump shot? And is he good enough defensively to where teams are just willing to overlook it? Um I do think that they will. Uh, he is one of the two best defensive players in college basketball. And then you've got the guards. Like, Zach Norvell is a, you know, interesting scorer. 60% true shooting percentage, average like 15 a game this year. Doesn't really turn it over. Uh, you know, always makes the right pass, I would say, more than a guy that's going to be able to make like exceptional passes, but not someone, like I said, that's going to turn the ball over a crazy amount. He's gotten better defensively too. Like, he's no longer uh, a guy that teams are just going to attack incessantly. Um, um, you know, he holds up at the point of attack, you know, maybe occasionally falls asleep and help, but for the most part is pretty good about it. Um, and then Josh Perkins is, you know, a guy that I'm sure NBA teams will want to get in and take a look at at the very least because he's one of the best pick and roll guards in the country. So uh, a loaded, loaded, loaded roster of guys at Gonzaga and, and you know, a lot of interesting kind of aspects that they still have to figure out. I'm really interested to see how those guys look. I mean, they have a lot of players that I want to get a handle on. You know, I, I know that I don't have enough time to, to do that for everybody, but I just find Clark especially just absolutely fascinating. Lots more to talk about with Sam Vecini, but first a message from Peter Millar. Peter Millar was a brand that was founded in 2001 with a single cashmere sweater and has grown into a premium American lifestyle brand featuring a wide range of casual sportswear, tailored menswear, and luxury performance golf apparel. Their comfort, fit, quality, and style are setting the standard in menswear. And I was admittedly unfamiliar with Peter Moore as a brand before I got the package with their stuff and was so impressed with just so many of the different elements. The quality of the material is extremely important for me. The look, the color, the feel, and my personal favorite of, of all the things is that I love the dress shirt. I wear it to games that I cover all the time, including when I was in New Orleans. And the polo shirt, it's a beautiful hue of blue close to my beloved powder blue for my Bruins. And it fits really well. It's extremely comfortable, very breathable, which I appreciated more because I got the stuff in the winter and it was warmer in New Orleans. I wore that as well and, and really liked it. And so what I would recommend is just trying it out, just checking out the material. It's really great stuff. So you go to petermillar.com, M-I-L-L-A-R. 
and then you dot com slash real GM. And if you go through that, tells me you came from us, but also you get complimentary shipping and a free hat. I mean, the material is great. It's incredibly well made. And they have this really cool style where, it, I mean, I've only had it for a short period of time, but it looks like it will it will look good. It will look classic. For a long time, you know, there's certain things and I have no problem with fashion that comes and goes. It's a part of everything. But there's a value to having pieces of your wardrobe that are going to look great. It's not surprising to me when you look at their stuff that they start out with a cashmere sweater that could age really well because that's really what they're doing. I've tried a bunch of their different stuff now. Really, really like it. And so if you want to check it out for yourself, Peter Millar dot com slash real gm that's m-i-l-l-a-r dot com slash real gm get free shipping get a free hat check it out we can jump to another team that has some really interesting nba talent and that's kentucky i mean with the wildcats you have pj washington you have tyler hero and i've heard hero mike our, our mutual friend mike schmitz talked about him yesterday as a guy who could really raise his stock and from what I've seen of Hero, that makes complete sense to me as somebody who could really, you know, do something in March to make teams more comfortable with what he could be as an NBA player. I would agree with that because I think that he has turned into Kentucky's most consistent uh, offensive weapon. Uh, I know that like he struggled against Tennessee this year specifically, and I, I think that that says a lot. By the way, like a, a guy struggling against Tennessee the way that he has, uh, just because this Tennessee team is very tough, very physical, and, and that's the way that NBA teams will defend Tyler Hero. But, you know, he, he's a guy that can really run off screens, really, uh, shoot it on the move, and he tends to make the right decision passing the ball. He's not a sieve defensively. He is still like a six foot four, like white dude who's going to have issues at that end because he's not necessarily, uh, the longest player. He's not going to be a guy that's very switchable. There, there is like real worry there, but he is at least someone that will fight on that end. And I think that that says a lot. Um, yeah, just, just has a great, uh, attitude, has a great, uh, way that he goes about, uh, attacking the game. He, he's never phased by the moment either. So I think that, you know, when Mike says, and, you know, like you said, like, uh, I love what Mike does. Uh, you know, he's, uh, I consider him a friend. He's unbelievably good at this. And I think that that's what he means by Tyler Hero really being able to help himself. He's the kind of guy that I think will thrive in this setting because he's the one that will, uh, really embrace the moment. I don't have a, a necessarily the firmest grasp of Kentucky's of, of Kentucky's bracket, but it seems at least the bottom half of the of the Midwest seems pretty favorable, doesn't it? Um, it's a good question. So they're gonna, um, so you know they're gonna have Wofford or Seton Hall. Seton Hall actually beat them earlier this year. Uh, you know Miles Powell is a really interesting scoring guard that got really hot uh, in a game against them. Then they have like Houston or Iowa State. Probably in the sec, in the sweet 16. Um, Iowa State has four or five guys that I think have a real chance to play in the NBA. They are a very, very deep prospect team. Uh, the guy that I would start with there, my favorite, my favorite prospect on that team is Tyrese Halliburton. Um, NBA team's favorite prospect is Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, you know, has a very interesting, He's had a very interesting season because 
I understand the appeal. He's six foot four, has a seven one wingspan. He's two hundred and thirty pounds, so theoretically, you would assume that you can play him up and down the lineup. He has a guards mentality and a playmaker's mentality. He can really pass the ball. He doesn't really turn the ball over all that often. Um, has good good block and steal rates as well for a kid that doesn't turn nineteen until November. He'll be one of the youngest players in the NBA next season if he decides to declare. But I think that there is a serious level of polish missing from his game. He is a 31% three-point shooter, 62.5% free throw shooter. Uh, that led to a 40, 49 true shooting percentage this year. And then defensively, he is not a good defensive basketball player. Like People look at the length and just assume that he is – somewhat valuable on that end just because he's switchable but he gets blown by a ton like his hips are pretty slow whenever he's turning uh that's fixable i think because uh, i think that he can do some real work on his body and improve but you're talking about a guy like to declare for the nba draft that isn't a good shooter right now and isn't a good defender and you want him to play as a role player And, and i just struggle with how that would work at the next level. I think it would result in him spending a lot of time in the G league in the G what he needs more than anything is a good weight and conditioning program. Like he needs to get into like the utmost shape that he can get into. And the G league just doesn't really have that infrastructure right now. So I, I'm just not quite as high on Taylor Horton Tucker as what a lot of people are right now. The other guy, Tyrese Halliburton that you mentioned, I mean, I, I became fascinated with him with the, the piece that Kevin Pelton put out a couple days ago. He does these kind of stats plus scouting things. Halliburton yeah. just looks just sparkling in those despite, and th- this blows my mind, having a usage rate this year at Iowa State below 10%. Remember, if you yes. split the, if you split shots among five guys, it's going to be 20. That's less than half of that. He's at like 9.3 this year. It is absolutely incredible. Right. Um, the thing with Ty, yeah, the thing with Tyrese is he doesn't have the strength on the ball yet, uh, just because he's like 170 pounds at six foot five to really be able to like go into the paint and create. He's a smart passer. Uh, like he's had a bunch of, you know, heavy assist games this year. Like he had seven against TCU. He had nine against Mississippi. He had six against Texas Tech, six against Kansas State. Um, but he's not like an elite level passer yet, or I would say he's not an elite level playmaker yet because he doesn't get separation from defenders yet. Like a physical guard can really annoy him. Like even like a small physical guard can really frustrate him. But what he does do really well is he doesn't, it's guys like him that kind of over exceed on stats based, uh, you know, projections because they don't make the bad play because they kind of can't make the bad play yet. So like Tyrese will bring the ball up. Uh, normally he'll like kind of hand it off and then he'll go and like try and space the floor and he can knock down shots. Like he's a 44% three point shooter. And most of those are off the catch. Um, in terms of his jump shot off the dribble right now, he doesn't really have it because he shoots the ball a little bit away from his face, and it's a pretty slow jump shot right now. But when you give him time, uh, like he gets a lot of the time because Iowa State has so many prospects, um, he, he can knock down shots at a high level. That's not to say that I don't think he's a really good prospect. Like I said earlier, he's my favorite prospect on Iowa State long term. I just think that uh, his game is one that is bound to be overrated by the statistics. 
because of the limited role that he plays and because of the limited role that he's capable of playing right now. If you told me that he put on 15, 20 pounds this summer, quickened up the jump shot and, and went on Jarrett Culver's trajectory next year, I would not be surprised by that at all. I think he has a real chance to be a first round pick next year. And if you made me project right now, I would say he will be a first round pick next year, but there is some, uh, there, there's a, there's some room that he still has to go to get there. That to me sounds like the type of guy that if I were a team in the twenties, I would consider making a promise in the, in the hopes of inducing them with the idea of basically being like, yeah, we might lose some value that first year still trying to figure it out. But if we can get a player in our system, especially now that teams are doing a, a good job of making sure that players are getting themselves in the right shape, you know, staying fit, nutrition and all that kind of stuff too. And I mean, sometimes that's more about thinning guys out rather than thickening them up, but it can work either way. But I would be, I would be excited to have somebody with, with that idea of like, kind of like a diamond in the rough where they just need more time and just say, Hey, you're, you might get drafted a little bit lower, but a, you make money over that first year when you wouldn't before. And we're, we're going to commit to you. We're going to, you know, we're going to give you development time. Like, if I were one of those teams, I would consider doing that. I haven't watched his game specifically, but I think that's a great opportunity that should be utilized more. So it's hard because a lot of those teams in the 20s want guys that can contribute relatively quickly on rookie contracts. Um, to me, Halliburton doesn't really ever profile as much more than a role player. And most of the value of role players is that you can get them on rookie scale contracts. Right. Um, you can get them for super, super cheap while they're valuable. With Halliburton, you're probably writing off the first years of a developmental year. You probably, to an extent, are writing off the second years of developmental year. Cause like, how many guys that are 20, 21 years old are really good, like NBA players, right? Like it's still, it's still a low number. Um, so you're losing two, so you're losing two years of real value there. And that is what would worry me about that plan. Um, you might get a really good player that can turn into like a borderline starter or like even like maybe he becomes a full stop starter and that's your win. But you're giving up a lot of value to do it, I think. That makes some sense. And and the other part that I thought of as you were talking was that this is not, let's say, like a Jermaine O'Neal situation where you're giving up those years, but there's the possibility that the guy becomes like a, an above average starter or like an all-star. You know, like that's a that's a calculus that I think some teams are willing to roll with. And, you know, not every player obviously gets to that point, but it doesn't sound like Halliburton has that kind of upside. So then you're, you're making a different benefit calculus of like, okay, I mean, you do run into the thing where he's probably going to get underpaid on his second NBA contract, you know, depending on how that works out. But generally speaking, when you want to have those kind of like gap years for a guy to get right, you are doing it for a higher ceiling than what it sounds like in most circumstances Halliburton would have. Yeah, I think that that's the critical part. Yeah. I haven't decided yet, you know, exactly who I'm going to watch film on, but one guy that I'm probably going to do the smaller stage, you know, like watching a game or two and then going through the stats is Matisse Thibel of Washington, just because his game is so fascinating to me. And I love strong perimeter defenders. And I mean, it's, he, he just seems so intriguing. I'm going to watch, of course, UW's NBA. The, the first game in the tournament, we'll see if they make it past Utah State. But I, I Thibel sounds fascinating to me. Oh, man, is he an interesting defender. Uh, 
no player in Ken Palm's database, to my knowledge, has ever had a five steal percent, five block percent year. And Matisse is right now at eight block percent, six steal percent. He's first in steal percentage and is just like, you know, like I said, like uh, I think he's top 70 in block percentage at eight percent. So you're talking about a guy that can just do so many different things, right? Uh, he is uh, just so productive defensively. I will say this. If you remember two years ago, Lorenzo Romar got fired from Washington during the Markel Fultz year. The reason he got fired during that year at Washington is because they were just so dreadful defensively. They were awful. They were maybe the worst power conference defensive team uh, in the country that year. Uh, they went 2-16 and 16 in the Pac-12 and, and could not stop a soul from scoring. I thought Matisse was their best defensive player that year. They played mostly man that year as well. Um, I thought Matisse was their best defensive player that year. I did think he had some small issues in man-to-man defense. He's an incredible help defender. He's so reactive. He is, uh, uses his length to an incredible extent. Having said that, there is just like that small question in my mind if he is great at keeping guys from getting into the paint defensively when you put him on an island in a man-to-man scheme. It's also important to consider with elite college defenders that the the players that they're going against in the NBA are so dramatically different. I mean, you think yeah. about think about the physical caliber of the average starting NBA wing. I mean, almost all of those guys were among like the best athletes that have played in college basketball in the last two decades, or in many cases, didn't even play in college basketball at all. So, and they've all worked on their bodies a lot over the course of their time. A lot of them are, you know, grown ass men, you know, you get into all that kind of stuff. And that's also why it's always really hard. I mean, I loved Marcus Smart defensively. I'm so thrilled with what he has become on that end of the floor. And he's, you know, he's improved a lot offensively too, but it's really, really hard with perimeter defenders to say, oh, that's definitely what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, he's, I want to bet on Matisse Thibel because I like everything that I've ever been told about him. I've talked to him twice. He was an incredibly kind human, I thought. Um, I, I like a lot of what he stands for. Uh, he is someone, I guess, that is like really into poetry and really into things off the court. Um, the offensive stuff is interesting because he does have more game than what his skill package says. Uh, on offense, in my opinion, uh, he can shoot the ball. He's like at 31% from three. I mean, he was 40% as a sophomore, 36% as a junior. So like he, I think he can shoot the ball. Like that's not a concern. I actually think he has more off the bounce than what people believe. Uh, he has big hands. He's a good cutter and he can actually attack closeouts. Uh, it's just whether or not he is going to do it consistently. I am willing to bet on him in the top 40 because I think that the archetype of player that he can be is so valuable that it's worth it to me. And if it works, it's going to work immediately and you're going to give him, you're going to get high level value out of him early on in his career. Having said that, there is just like that real concern about the man-to-man defense that I have from watching them a lot during his sophomore year where I just worry a little bit. 
the last team, and it's funny because they're the number one seed in the in that bracket is that we haven't t- really talked about is North Carolina. We also haven't talked about Kansas, but their their situation's just so different. But Kansas has no real NBA prospects, so which is so ridiculous. But yeah. so or at least for 2019, for uh, North Carolina, Elsewhere. I mean, it it is so unfortunate that Nasir Little was ruled ineligible and just wasn't able to play at all this year. That is what happened, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll say that. That that's how we'll handle this. Oh man. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, Nasir, I think Nasir is still going to go in the first round. Like, I'm not real worried about that. His feel for the game is concerning. Uh, he just does not have it yet. Uh, I think he can shoot it at some point. Like, I, I think he will shoot it at some point. Um, he can finish around the basket, but he doesn't defend at a high level. He's really bad off the ball defensively. And he just does like, it doesn't feel like he knows exactly what North Carolina is running all the time. Um, I will bet on him in the first round just because uh, I'll bet on the talent, the athleticism and the positional archetype. But I mean, it's a concern. (laughs) And they also have Kobe white who is, he was looking like a first round pick, right? Kobe White, is, I have Kobe White at 11 on yeah. the most recent. So, so yeah, that's a first round pick. <laughs> yeah, I think he is got a real shot to go in the top 10. Wow. He is six foot five. He's a six foot five point guard who has yeah. proven that he can run North Carolina's scheme. Uh, and that's it. That, like, given what Roy Williams will put on your plate at North Carolina, um, man, it's, it's tricky. You know what I mean? Like he, he will, uh, he will ask you to do a lot at the point guard position at North Carolina. And, you know, Kobe White's done it all this year. And then you throw in that he's a terrific pull up shooter. Uh, I, I like him. I like him quite a bit. So the two big questions with White as somebody who hasn't watched him yet is the main one is, do you think that he can create reliably for himself slash others at the NBA level? And then the other one is, do you think he can capable? I mean, he, I know he's six five, and you said he's fast. Do you think he can capably defend ones? I do. Yeah, I think he can. Um, he is very quick, uh, very mobile, has very very good lateral quickness. Um, yeah, I think he'll be able to check ones. He's not going to be like an elite defender of ones, I think, but he will. Uh, I think be able to check ones at a level commensurate with like what you need to be in the NBA now to do that. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on him, and it looks like North Carolina will make it a little while, so get to get to watch him in the later part of the tournament. Still more to talk about with Sam Vecini, and first, a message from BetOnline.ag. It is the greatest time of the year in basketball, March Madness, March Mania, and March Money. Well, here at Podcast One Sportsnet, we are competing against one another again in the hashtag Sportsnet bracket presented by our exclusive partners at betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code podcast1 for a 50% sign up bonus. Once you're all signed up, fill up your bracket online and make sure that you get it done before the deadline, which is this Wednesday, Wednesday at midnight. Lots of games worth being excited about. Of course, talking about that with Sam. Murray State for me in particular, John Morant, a guy that I haven't actually watched at all yet. I'm planning on watching at least, I mean, we'll see how many games he plays, but at least game one, excited to see him against talented competition, but also, I mean, all over the bracket. Seeing Zion's going to be fun. And the other great thing about the NCAA tournament is that you never really know where it's going to go, where it's going to be so much fun. And Each week throughout the tournament, the Podcast One Sportsnet show that has picked the most games correctly will be rewarding listeners with money into your betonline.ag account. So even if your bracket gets busted early, don't worry, the fun will continue each week as you have a chance to win money. It's the hashtag Sportsnet 
brackets presented by betonline.ag. March Madness, don't miss out. The deadline is Wednesday at midnight, and use that promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% welcome bonus. Also, I have a message from TrueCar. 60 seconds. That is exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with TrueCar. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a true cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to TrueCar and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you will get an accurate true cash offer from a local TrueCar certified dealer. It is that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions, get the answers you need so there are no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you are ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. I, I think something I'd like to ask you because you have this greater perspective on it is what players prospects you think have a lot on the line, like that their their stock is very nebulous right now, where a good performance could push them. Maybe maybe it's even into this draft where they might not be otherwise. Like Tyler Hero, you'd kind of, you talked about uh, in your piece about yeah. how he has a good choice either way. And then people who could really, you know, maybe it's because their their stock is a little bit shakier right now, and so they could confirm some doubts, or that just don't have that don't don't have even shaky ground. They're just in the jelly right now. Nazareth is fascinating at LSU, uh, has all the skill in the world, uh, you know, six foot 10, 240 pounds, shoots the ball really well from distance, can put the ball on the deck and just straight up attack closeouts. Like he has, you, you put him in pick and pop scenarios and defenders close out just even a little bit too heavy. He can go right by you. He can hit floaters. He can finish at the basket a little bit better of a passer than what I think the numbers say. Uh, Man, he is really bad defensively. And there's a lot of concern that NBA teams have about like his effort level and his work ethic. Um, if he would go out and prove himself in the NCAA tournament as a guy that can be trusted, it would say a lot. If he goes out and LSU loses to Yale while he fouls out in 20 minutes, that would say a lot too. Uh, Man, he's he's fascinating to me. I would say if Yale, speaking of Yale, Mieoni, uh six foot six, six eleven wingspan, uh legit NBA level athlete, has all sorts of skill, can shoot the basketball, can really pass it. If they upset LSU, I think he's a guy that you know you might be looking at end of the first round discussions with him. He is uh kind of what the NBA is looking for right now. Um in terms of the guys like Jordan Poole is interesting. Um Jordan Poole has a lot of talent, and Michigan is a very good team. If they can go on a run, I think he could really help himself. Chumo Kike is a guy that a lot of NBA teams like. Uh, 6'8", 7-foot wingspan, can really shoot the ball from distance. Sort of a multi-positional defender, but you know Auburn plays him at center a decent amount in smaller lineups, like a 4-5 kind of guy. Um, I think he has good enough feet to play the like 3 and 4 potentially, but... Uh, you know, we'll see more than anything there. Uh, Ty Jerome, uh, I think really needs to have a good NCAA tournament. I was excited about him earlier in the year. He has not necessarily, uh, had that, uh, you know, had that jump against really good teams that you'd like to see. And speaking of playing well against good teams, Dylan Windler, man, that guy at Belmont, I mean, 20 points, 10 rebounds, three assists a night. 50, 40, 89, I think, in um, OVC play this year. Against good teams, he did not play well this year. Uh, he, he really did not. 
a lot of NBA teams don't really care all that much. Like they're telling me, oh yeah, we'd be happy to see that guy fall in the second round. We'd snap him up real quick. Having said that, uh, if he could really go out and lead Belmont. So Belmont has Temple tonight, uh, as we're recording, um, has Maryland in the first round. And then, uh, who is their three? I believe their three is that LSU Yale, uh, three fourteen matchup. It is like they have a chance to make a run here. Like that is, a, that's an, as open as a three, you know, 11 or yeah, three fourteen six eleven you know, pod can be. He has a real chance to take them on a run. If they go on a run, I think he's a first round pick. Wow. And, and, and I really like that it's, you know, a guy from Belmont who can put up, you know, pretty close to 50, 40, 90 in conference play. That, that's really great. And, and yeah, I mean, the other thing that's just a, a dominant thing from this class, other than obviously Zion, is that there's a lot of, a lot of flexibility, a lot of movement, a lot of fungibility. And I think that the, you know, the teams that are picking, even in the lottery, I think are still figuring out what they are and what they want. So, I mean, I think you could see uh, what I talk about in a draft where there are a lot of guys are even is that what you're looking for is for guys the teams can fall in love with because that's how you start to see these things really happen. And the NCAA tournament is going to be an opportunity for that to occur. You could also fall out of love. There are lots of other things that can happen, but when you get into those draft situations, it's like, okay, so you're picking at six. A lot of teams would see that, or let's say, I'm just using six as an example. They might have like five guys that it could be in different orders, but inevitably there are teams in that range who have one person way above everyone else. It's just that what, based on what they prefer, what their models say, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, this is going to, our teams have very drastically different boards, I think. Um, heavy scouting teams, for instance, will like Eric Paschal. Teams that invest more in analytics will probably like Dylan Windler. Both those guys are seniors. They're both like six foot seven. They're both, you know, kind of three, four combo guys, like, you know, similar player types, but Pascal is going to perform better among guys that trust traditional scouting. Windler is going to perform better among teams that trust statistical stuff. So it's going to be interesting. We can focus on the first weekend because the f- part of the fun thing of a single elimination tournament is that you don't know exactly what's going to happen. What games, what matchups are you most excited to see? As you know, because obviously your perspective, you've seen these guys already, so this is, you are still learning. We all are, but you you have a different perspective on this. So I guess you can think about it from your perspective, but then also from a more casual, like somebody more like me or an NBA centric person, what they should be keying in on. Let's say Thursday through Sunday. So I, I would even start Wednesday. Uh, you know, Shamori Pons against Lugans Dort is going to be oh, a that's fascinating right. matchup. Uh, th- those two guys are really, uh, really tailor made to annoy each other in a lot of ways. Cause Lugan Stewart will pick you up full court. He is going to bother the shit out of Shamori Pons, uh, as much as anyone can. And then Pons on the other side, uh, you know, he'll get into you and he'll, he'll stop you from getting penetration at least and, and you know, kind of force you to shoot the ball from distance a little bit. So I, I think Shamori's a guy as well that is really, uh, tailor made to perform well in this tournament as well because he just has that mindset that he wants to perform well in big games um 
in terms of interesting first round matchups, uh, I, I would point out Mieoni at Yale against LSU's athleticism. I think that that's really interesting. Um, Thursday just doesn't have a lot other than that, uh, you know, Murray State Marquette matchup with John Moran against Marcus Howard. Like that's a fascinating one. Um, but they, they don't have like a crazy amount of, you know, NBA talent versus NBA talent matchups. Uh, on Friday, you know, you can look at Iowa State having to deal with like a pretty tough defense against, uh, with Ohio State. Um, you know, that Nikhil Alexander Walker game against St. Louis, I think is pretty interesting. Gardner Webb against Virginia just because it's a 16-1 and please God, Virginia win that game. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, the first round, there just aren't a wild amount of, uh, you know, NBA on NBA matchups. The second round, you know, you can look around Duke against a UCF or a VCU. Both of those teams can cause problems for Duke because they're really good at defending the paint. VCU has uh, the number seven overall defense in the country. They fight, they battle, they have length, they have athleticism. They have a guy in Marcus Santos Silva that can actually guard Zion Williamson. And then UCF plays that zone and they have Taco Fall in the middle. And oh boy, is there going to be nothing more fun than watching Zion Williamson try and scale the seven foot six mountain that is Taco Fall to try and dunk on him. Um, if we get Maryland LSU, which I think I would bet against, uh, that's an interesting front court matchup of Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith against Naz Reed and Emmett Williams. Uh, you know, if we get Louisville, Michigan State, uh, Jordan Wara against a really, really good Michigan State perimeter defense. Uh, you know, Gonzaga having to deal with Syracuse or Baylor zone is going to be interesting in the second round. Um, you know, Murray State, if they can beat Marquette, they get Florida State in the second round. Florida State has all sorts of long athleticism. Like that is by far the most athletic team, uh, that Murray State will play this season. I would be interested to see that matchup. Um, you know, Texas Tech against Buffalo would be a really fun offense defense matchup. Uh, Michigan against Nevada would be a really fun matchup. Uh, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to like run through some of these matchups real quick. Stay away from the South region. Whatever you're watching, don't watch the South region. Um, eight, I, I want to say they have like eight of the 30 slowest teams in all of college basketball in that region. And it's just not going to be fun to watch at all. Um, Villanova St. Mary's is maybe the exception because while those two teams are slow, they just execute offense at such an outstanding level that it's, you know, going to at least be interesting to watch. Um, North Carolina against either Washington or Utah State will be interesting because both of those teams really sit down and defend you. Um, Iowa State against Houston will be interesting because Houston really sits down and defends against Iowa's prospects. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of the the group of matchups that uh you know nba scouts will be hoping for at least the last thing i want to ask you about uh you i, I mentioned at the very beginning so i'll keep picking up at the end you're you're doing a pretty interesting series over over the next little while for the athletic on kind of going through the lottery teams and their situation kind of setting up where their draft goes and you know as somebody who it's going to be fun to see how how your stuff and my stuff interact because we're coming at it from very different perspectives using similar inputs let's call it yeah no 100 percent. like you know i think that a lot of what goes into draft content is incredibly important um evaluations of where each organization is and what they want to do and what they uh actually try and look for from prospects what their roster um just what their overall roster 
construction is, uh, you know, what their draft history is, just uh, what kind of prospects that general managers use or tend to like. So I think it's really important. I think it's really important to just look up and down rosters and take a look at where everything uh, everything plays out. Yeah, and I like that you're looking at because because yours it's not I wouldn't necessarily say it's predictive, but it is more in that vein than what I'm going to do. And I think what's what's really useful about that and kind of piecing it together is like you talked about like how the front office is drafted. You know, like going through what the what the Knicks have done over the last couple of years, what they value, and where that goes because that is a really important part of this. Like I try to make mine more about like here's what they can do and not prescribe it because I don't know that's just that's just the lane I've gone in over the six years or whatever I've done offseason previews but I really like that that you're going in that direction because there's a lot of ground that that is good for you know whether you're a, a Knicks fan or you're just somebody who wants to see like where this might go it's a very useful kind of lens to look through these things yeah yeah no I think that uh, it's it's really important to just try and provide context overall you know what i mean like i think that uh if you're not trying to figure out what nba executives and what nba teams have done in the past um you're kind of setting yourself up for uh potential disappointment if if they just don't act the way that they've act people uh in basketball tend to look at things the same way Uh, and that's not to say front office construction can't change right like the clippers i think are a great example of this um you know you and i used to make fun of the clippers whenever doc rivers was in charge of things since lawrence frank took over uh They've done a total 180. I think that they're actually one of the smartest front offices in the NBA right now. They've done a great job of really staffing out that front office as well. They have a ton of people that work there and are really, really smart. Um, but at the end of the day, like you really just have to uh, look at what organizations do, what the uh, similar uh, factors are within uh, organizations, what the what has changed, what is the same, and try and go from there. Anything else you want to discuss? I mean, we've gone through a lot of ground already. Honestly, I don't think so. Like, I think that, I think we've really, really hit it all. I mean, like, I'm trying to think if there are like any specifically interesting process. Like, there aren't. We kind of talked about all the ones that we'll see in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, there are guys like Sekou Jambuya, but he's not playing in the tournament, obviously. So we'll see where that goes. I don't know if I'll watch film on him. I'm guessing no. Yeah, Sekou's interesting. Uh, he's been a little bit better over the course of the last, uh, I want to say like month since he's come back from injury. Um, you know, it was a guy that early in the season I thought really, really struggled. Uh, he's worth watching tape on. I think he is still a couple years away from being able to like contribute successful winning minutes to an NBA basketball team. Um, if I was drafting him, I would want to stash him actually. I like, I would want to put him in an advantageous situation and stash him. Um, I'll be interested to see what kind of thought process, uh, Buna and Jai, his agent and Seku kind of have in terms of what they see for his next steps in his career. Definitely one to keep an eye on. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, of course. Anytime, Danny. Thanks again to Sam Vicini for taking the time to come on. You can, of course, read his work at The Athletic. You can listen to the excellent Game Theory podcast that he does. And you can follow him on Twitter, if you don't already, at Sam Vicini, under Sam underscore V-E-C-E-N-I-E. Before we go, have that conversation with Dave Mason of BetOnline.ag that I had told you about at the outset. Really enjoyed it. Just a a fun little conversation about some of the nuances of his business and how they intersect with March Madness. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is 
an eventful, chaotic time of the year for you. I mean, it's it's fun for for all of us. The NCAA tournament is just intensely. It's great. I mean, for especially for what it is. But I can imagine in your line of work, this is just incredibly difficult because of the turnaround and just how much is going on at one time. No, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 it's crazy, man. It's, you know, madness. I hate, to, <laughs> I hate to say that word, but it really is just getting these lines up, getting the site ready, getting, you know, trying to turn things around. You know, we pride ourselves in, on put, posting the odds earlier in everybody, than any other book. And, uh, you know, last night we, we, we did our best and uh, we were firing odds up and we, we got beat up on some of them because of it. Uh, but we had our odds up nice and early. Plus, we're developing our own bracket. We got a $50,000 bracket contest. And this is the first year we developed our own instead of using a third party. And uh, so last night was really, really stressful making testing it out. And, you know, it's one thing doing it through te- you know test environments one one of the, it's a real thing you know it's, it's kind of nerve-wracking last night we had to make some last minute changes so yeah it's it's been it's been crazy yeah and as yeah, we've talked about talked before about- there are challenges with trying to get things up early and and the people who move early if they if they think they have a, a better read on it they can they can get that and so that puts i i mean the way i would frame it is that puts more risk on you guys is would that be correct yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you know, it's a it's a balancing act. It's sure put putting your numbers up before anybody else are risky. I mean, you know, I, I I'd love to sit here and say, hey, we don't look at anybody else. We don't look at any books, but but there's books out there that you get good intel from. So, um, you know, another book moves, you 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 notice that. Um, but when you're posting first, you have absolutely nothing else to go out there by. You, you you're you're trusting your numbers and. You know, as good as our guys are with so many games and so quick, you're going to be off on some. You know, we, we, we've already had some really big movements like Mississippi State opened 11 and a half. They're now minus seven versus Liberty. Marquette went minus six and a half to minus four and a half. F- FSU minus 14 and a half down to minus 10 and a half, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Got beat up on Cal Irvine. We opened that way too high. That was a mistake on our part. Plus eight and a half. They're now getting plus five and a half. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but it's a balancing act. We also get a lot of players from that and we get a lot of attention because we open our odds. So yeah, we might get beat up a little bit on those early ones, but, uh, you know, we get it back on, on extra clients and extra publicity, et cetera. Well, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. you're, you're going to do it because it's worthwhile. I mean, that, that I think that's a, a, a logical way to do it. It's an incentive and, and a risk thing. And then, and what's challenging about these couple weeks is also that, yeah, I mean, so now you have from the selection show was on Sunday to games Thursday and Friday, and except for the first four and all that kind of stuff. But then, boom, okay, you're like, okay, we finished that sprint, you know, and adjusting and keeping everything up great. Now the 32 teams that are still alive, they play again the next two days. And then you do the whole thing again for the next week. And so it's just, it's not only is it such a persistent thing, but there's so much interest in it that the incentives, like the stakes are even higher than they would be for something else. You know, it's not just like, oh, this fun curiosity. It's like, oh, this is something that people really throw their hearts into. No, absolutely. And, you know, we wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it's, it's, it's a challenge, but, uh, you know, it's one of those events during the year, top handful events of the biggest betting events of the year. And, uh, you know, after March Madness, you start talking slow season. So it, it kind of makes or break your your next few months. Um, you know, sure, the NBA playoffs are pretty big. But, uh, you know, after Super Bowl, you see a lull. And then uh, March Madness, you get that pickup. And then after that, it's, you know, 
little bumps here and there, you know, Kentucky Derby, NBA playoffs, et cetera. But, you know, you're, you're pretty much in what we call the slow season until the following September. So, um, you got to do everything you can to get players in the book and keep them happy and, and be more competitive than, than, than anybody else out there. This might not be information that you have handy, but I'm just interested. Do you, how do you see the the activity level changing over the course of the tournament? Is it hot? I mean, the first weekends are really fun because it's, you know, all the upsets and everything else. But then later on, it's, I mean, generally speaking, it's more the glamour teams unless you have like a George Mason that gets in there or something like that. Does it does it start hot and stay hot, or is there some sort of ebb and flow that you've seen over the last little while? Yeah, I mean the biggest the first week is is definitely the biggest week because you get all those people coming back to your site. A lot of people that haven't been in back since last March Madness, or a lot of guys who took off since uh, the Super Bowl. You know, they're they're done after the Super Bowl and waiting for the next big event. So you get all those guys back for that opening weekend. I mean, if you've ever been in a in a, a sports book in Vegas or wherever for that uh, first weekend of, of March Madness. It's the only thing that really compares to it is a Super Bowl. So that kind of translates to us as well. Um, you know, there's so many games back to back to back to back, and, 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 and there's so much action. The later games will get more action on them specifically, you know, as you see the Blue Bloods playing each other and there's only four games a day or whatever, those games will get more volume, but overall they won't get as much volume as a this Thursday where there's so many games and this Friday where there's so many games. Yeah, and the NCAA tournament is such an event. And I mean, you get into that, like people who want to be involved in the first day or the first and second day. It, may, it makes total sense that you would have that where the per game numbers go go up. But that since there are f- far fewer games, I mean, half the teams get eliminated every couple of days, then it, it overall tones down. That makes sense to me. Right. What else? Is- no, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it, a, lot of late game, a lot of those late games, too, depend on who's playing, too, you mm-hmm. know, the, the final games and stuff. You know, if you have all Blue Bloods in there, big bet teams, even Dukes in there, you know that action's Duke, UNC, you know that action's going to be bigger than if you have a couple Cinderella's in there as well. So um, a lot of that Final Four, Elite Eight kind of action depends on that as well. And presumably hoping for star talent and all that other stuff as well. But generally, I mean, in the one and done year, I'm guessing it might be a little bit easier for that because those guys are often going to the Blue Blood schools. So then you have those, you have the alumni bases and the passion and all that kind of stuff tied in with the teams with the best players. No, you're absolutely right. So, you know, it's no different than uh, the NFL where you're, you know, you're rooting for. not rooting for but the bigger teams make it you know the ratings are going to go up there's going to be more viewers and there's going to be more betting is there anything else going on in in your neck of the woods that you think would be interesting to discuss going into you know this crazy stretch in mid to late march yeah well like i said we got the fifty thousand dollar um bracket contest uh that you can enter it for fifteen dollars first place pays Ten thousand bucks, and that is cash. There's no rollover since it's a little buy-in. You know, it's a cash prize pool. Fifty thousand dollars going to be chopped up between the top twenty um, and ten thousand dollars for the first place. You can enter up at up to twenty times. So we got that going on. Um, bonuses, you know, great reload bonuses. Check out our promotions page for all those. And uh, the earliest opening odds, tons of props. Our guys are getting all sorts of futures and props loaded into the. Uh, site right now so plenty of ways to bet and live betting live betting on every game so that's always fun yeah absolutely that's something i've experimented with in the nba and it's 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 a really interesting way if you get a feel for something early to just be like hey i, I think i know where this is going and i, I i've enjoyed the thought process of that because i'm still kind of learning the ropes and for whatever reason that speaks to me more specifically and i could get why other people would see that as well no absolutely especially basketball i think you know i've, I've done some live betting in my day and uh 
I, I think basketball, I think basketball is really, live betting was made for basketball because there's so many runs, you know, these teams make these runs and these odds swing so much. And, you know, you, you, you just keep that in mind, like, okay, this, my team's making a run, but the other team's going to make a run too. So those odds start fluctuating and awesome middle opportunities and hedge both sides for a guaranteed profit. So yeah, live betting and basketball go hand in hand. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Dave Mason of betonline.ag for taking the time to come on. Really enjoyed the conversation. Also, of course, thanks again to Sam Vecini of The Athletic. You can read him there. You can listen to Game Theory. You can follow him at Sam underscore Vecini, V-E-C-E-N-I-E. For those who are interested, the Mascot Bracket podcast that is an annual tradition in my family where my biologist sister goes through the entire NCAA tournament bracket picking solely on if the mascots got into a fight. It is tremendous fun. That episode is already out. That was released basically immediately before this one as a separate podcast. You should definitely check it out. It is just a blast. It's so much fun to do and very different, of course, from the rest of Real Jam Radio, but great in its own way. So you can check that out. Obviously not as time sensitive, but it'll be there for you whenever you whenever you want that. I don't know exactly where next week's episode is going to go. We're getting, you know, closer to the end of the NBA regular season. I'm assuming it will be NBA focused, not college basketball, though. Hey, if something big happens, I'm happy to talk about that. Whatever, whatever comes. Have a couple of different ideas, have a couple irons in the fire in terms of guests. You can check that out. If you want to support this show, you can subscribe, download every episode. Those are really important. Helps get our metrics up. That helps other people also spreading the word. However you see fit, social media, in person. Hey, this episode, this show is good. That that stuff really does matter. And yeah, this show's been on for a long time, but there are still a lot of people who don't know about it. And so I really do appreciate that. Also, leaving a rating, leaving a review in the podcast player of your choosing is great. It's even more awesome if it's Apple Podcasts. And if you want to go above and beyond, if you use a different one, you can leave a review in both places. That's really awesome. You can do that. And the single most important thing you can do with this show or with any other show that has them is by checking out our sponsors, Yahoo Daily Fantasy, yahoo.com slash daily fantasy or the Yahoo Fantasy app. Use the promo code POD25 for $25 in free play with your minimum deposit. CBS Sports HQ, which you can get through the CBS Sports app on your phone or many other devices. BetOnline.ag, of course, have that awesome bracket challenge that's going on right now. You can use that podcast one promo code for a 50% welcome bonus. Peter Millar, Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash Real GM. Check out the awesome stuff they have and you get free shipping, free hat and true car. Great place to sell or trade in your car. If you have any feedback on the show, good, bad or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get in touch with me. Way better than Twitter because it's not ephemeral. There's a guaranteed chance that I'm going to see it. It goes straight into a specific folder in my inbox and I go through it. I don't always respond to everything, but I read everything because if you take the time to do so, I will take the time to do so. It's only fair. You can also, of course, listen to the Dunked On podcast. Nate and I are doing a couple of interesting things in this coming week. Just finished up a two-part 15 and 60 and plan right now is to do Gamer. And then an off-requested episode is going to be our last one of the week. I don't want to say what it is yet, but it's let's call it labor intensive, but it's one that I, I genuinely love doing and it's a clarifying process. So that will be out later. Written work overwhelmingly at The Athletic have a series of pieces that have come out recently, including some cap logistical stuff for the Warriors. I'm actually working on a lot of different things at the moment, like more, more writing projects right now than I usually have working at one time, which is a lot 
compared to a lot. So that's exciting and it'll take some time and some great editorial staff to get it all out there, but it will happen over the next weeks and months to come. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day.